You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. All right. Good morning, Radiant Church. Thanks for making it out through the rain, and we are so excited to see you. If you're new with us, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. My name is Marco. I'm the lead pastor here at Radiant Church, and thank you so much for making Radiant a part of your weekend. If you're watching online, thank you as well for tuning in. Uh, Today, we are in the middle of a seven-week message series entitled Seven, A Letter to the Seven Churches. And this is a message series that comes from the book of Revelation. And if you are new to your Bible, the book of Revelation is the very last book in the Bible. And it's a bit confusing to interpret the book, honestly, because there's so much symbolism going on there. But either way, this series is about the seven letters that Jesus sends to seven churches in Asia Minor, or what we would know as now of modern day Turkey. And in these letters, we see that John is the writer. He's the actual writer. Jesus tells him what to write down, and John writes them down. Now, John was one of the closest apostles to Jesus. He was in Jesus's inner circle. So there's James, John, and Peter. And John is writing from the island of Patmos. And Patmos is this really tiny island off of the west coast of Turkey. And you might be thinking, why is he writing from this tiny little island? Well, because he was actually exiled there. He was forced to be there by the Roman emperor Domitian in about the year AD 90. And during that time, the church, Christianity, was a persecuted religion. And so the emperor wanted nothing to do with John and him preaching the gospel. So he exiles him to the island of Patmos. And interestingly enough, John's the only apostle who's not martyred for his faith. Every one of the other apostles, you guys, end up giving their lives for faith in Jesus Christ. And so week number one, uh, Troy covered the church in Ephesus. Jesus says, hey, return to your first love. Remember that devotion, that heart that you had for God when you first knew him? Jesus says, go back to that point. And then in week number two, I covered the church in Smyrna. And Smyrna, Smyrna, Jesus' message was, be faithful to the point of death, right? To the point of death. Again, persecuted church. Jesus says, listen, I want you to endure, even if, you, if it means you have to die for your faith. Pretty sobering and challenging words. Last week, uh, Carter preached for us, and he covered the church in Pergamum, remember? And he talked about this idea of compromise. A little bit of compromise ruins all of your commitment, right? There are consequences to your compromise to Christ, and we learned about those things. And today, we're going to look at the church in the city of Thyatira. Kind of a fun word to say. Say it together, Thyatira. Yeah, you got to say it like that, too. Say it with a little gusto, right? Thyatira. And we're going to learn what that's all about. And we're going to dive right in. If you have a Bible, I would love for you to open that up. Or you can have a digital Bible as well. That is great. And if you're new to the Bible, um, you can download uh, version. It's an app called version on your smartphone. 
all kinds of translations. Although if you're studying the Bible, I do not recommend using your phone. I recommend using those old-fashioned things with pages. Remember those things, right? The printing press, remember that? Yeah, some of you are like, oh, what's, what is that, right? What's, what's a book, pastor? Yeah, use a real book, a real Bible, because why? Because these things are distracting, that's why, okay? And you will not get any sort of real study in if you're just on your phone. All right, so without further ado, listen, let's go. Revelation chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse number 18. Here's what it says. To the angel of the church in Thyatira, write. So here's Jesus saying, write this down, John. These are the words of the Son of God whose eyes are like blazing fire. And in the scripture, fire is uh, often representative or symbolic of what? Judgment. So interesting enough, uh, Jesus says his eyes are like blazing fire, whose feet are like burnished bronze. He says this, I know your deeds, your love, and your faith, and your service and perseverance and that you are now doing more than you did at first. So they're increasing in their deeds of love. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into what? Sexual immorality. What does immorality mean? It means it's the Greek word porneia. Um, it's where we get the word pornography, um, one teacher has said that uh, sexual immorality is like the junk drawer of all sexual sin, okay? Sexual immorality in the eating of food is sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality. How gracious of Jesus, right? But she's unwilling. Mm. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering. This is Jesus speaking. I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely. Unless, and there's always, there's always a way out with Jesus, isn't there? Yeah. Unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. That means those who are associated with the teachings of Jezebel. Then all the churches will know that I am the one who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your Deeds. See, Jesus saying, repayment according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who did not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets. It's just very fascinating that Jesus says that. Some were so entrenched into this teaching that Jesus uses this figure of speech. Satan's right, so-called deep secrets. Wow, that's, that's wild. I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I come. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the very end, I will give authority over the nations, and that one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my Father. I will also give that one the morning star, Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is going to be good. Buckle up. It's going to get bumpy, kids, okay? The message today is entitled, The Tolerance Jesus Will Not Tolerate. The Tolerance Jesus Will Not Tolerate. Let's pray, because you're going to need it. All right. Lord, we love you, and I'm going to tell you. 
Lord, we love you, and thank you for your presence here already, God. Man, you are so good to us. Um, I just think of that song that Adam led us in, High King Forever. You're our high king, God. and um, We worship you, we praise you, and you are so good to us, Lord. And so we lay our lives down before you as we gather corporately today as your body, Lord, as those who gather um, through the digital waves on the internet, God. We gather and we surrender our lives to you, Lord. Our whole lives belong to you, all of it, God, every single part of our life, Lord. So would you draw men and women to you? Would you soften hardened hearts? Um, would you open blind eyes? Would you show us, would you give us a revelation of the holiness, of the greatness, and the goodness of God in Jesus Christ? We want to know him today. We don't want to go through the motions. We don't want to play church we want to know Christ and him crucified. So God, do a work in us and through us, Lord. And as Jesus says, those who have ears, let us hear, Lord. You're not talking about physical ears. You're talking about a spiritual ear, God, that only some have. God, give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the church, to Radiant Church this Sunday morning. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. All God's people said... Amen. Awesome. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but maybe you figured this out. Did you know that today tolerance is the highest virtue in our society? Tolerance is the highest virtue in our society. But I want to tell you that the definition of tolerance has also changed. You might not know that. Tolerance used to mean this. Tolerance used to mean that we can agree to disagree, and if we agree to disagree, that's okay. We can go our separate ways, and I can respect you, and you can respect me, and, and everything is good, right? But the definition of tolerance has now changed, right? The, the definition of tolerance now has come to mean you're either for me or I am at war against you. The definition of tolerance has now come to mean you can't disagree with me. You have to celebrate me. And so it's widely taught, culturally speaking, that we must affirm all things. And to not do so, to do the opposite is to be seen as what? Well, bigoted and hateful and um, just maybe old-fashioned, antiquated. I mean, you sort of fill in the blank, but I would more say so, you know, to be hateful. And no person, no, no, no person of faith wants to be accused of being hateful, right, or, or, or bigoted. You don't, you don't want to be, you know, a person of faith. You don't want to be considered hateful at your workplace, right? You, you want to try to get along with your, you know, the other em employees. You don't want to be considered hateful in your schools and your, you know, universities, the, the, the places where you find yourself doing life on a regular basis. But Christians, believers today, let me, I'm talking to believers right now, by the way, if you're not a believer, you can plug your ears if you want to, but listen, I'm talking to believers here. Um, I want to remind you, you, and you might not know this, but Christians cannot tolerate all things, right? 
Christians cannot tolerate all things. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Marco? Why is that? Because the scripture teaches us that God does not tolerate all things. Okay? So here's the thing. We can respect different opinions. We can listen to people who are different from us and have different ideologies and philosophies and theologies, and we can learn you know, learn some things from them. We can try to understand where they're coming from, and, and we should, right? But listen, I want to remind you, Christian believer today, we cannot offer our unqualified, unconditional affirmation for all things. We cannot offer that sort of affirmation of every belief and every behavior. Why? Because God doesn't. Now, we must love what God loves. That's where Ephesus failed. But get ready. Here's the second part of that. We have to hate what God hates. That's where Thyatira failed. And so at the very get-go, here's what I want to say, sort of the big, one of, one of the big overall overreaching statements of this morning is this. Followers of Christ, listen, we are called to love all people, right? But not affirm all beliefs and behaviors. All right. You're unsure? I'm not sure if you're sure. Okay. I'll say it one more time. Followers of Christ, listen, we're called to love all people. All right, uh, uh, different skin colors, ethnicities, nationalities, religions, um, uh, belief systems, um, genders, we, we, sexual orientations. We're called to love all people. But listen, but not affirm their behavior or their beliefs. Okay? Now, I wanted to say this to lay the groundwork today because Jesus, listen, he commends the church in Thyatira. He does commend them for some things. He says, you guys got love. You got faithfulness. You're, you're persevering. You have deeds. So listen, they were not without virtue. Like, there were some good things happening there. Jesus says, you're loving. You're being faithful. You know, you're enduring all things. And those are great things. I want to, you know, emphasize that. Those are great things. But then Jesus says, listen, um, I have some things against you. And here's what happens. The condemnation actually outshines their commendation. Okay? And by the way, this is the longest letter that Jesus writes, that John writes, or John pens. Jesus dictates. This is the longest letter for the smallest city. So it doesn't matter how big your city is. It doesn't matter that Bay City is a little, little tiny city on the map, Right? doesn't matter how big or how small your city is. Jesus has the most words for the smallest city. And so here's what he says in verse number 20, the condemnation. Nevertheless, I have this against you. And notice what are underlined on the screen behind me. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. And by her teaching, she misleads my servants into what? Into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrifice, what? To idols, to idols. We're going to talk about this here in a moment here. So Thyatira had the opposite problem of the church in Ephesus, remember? So the Ephesian church, 
They have lost their first love, but they, they were really good at shutting down false uh, prophets and false doctrine and false teaching, okay? They had love for God, and they're, you know, or lost their love, I should say, but they're good, really good at shutting down false teachers. Now, on the other hand, the assembly in Thyatira, they were, they were growing in their love, right? But they were way too tolerant of all kinds of ideas and philosophies, doctrines, and these so-called apostles or, or prophets. And I want to just remind you, listen, both, both extremes should be avoided in the church. You see what I'm saying? Because it's easy to be the church of love. Like, we just love all people, and let's all get along, and let's hold hands and sing kumbaya, right? And, and that's easy to get on that bandwagon, and we want to love 100%. And we, we want to serve our city, and we're doing that, by the way. So proud of our church. Love our church. We are a church of love 100%, right? But we have to be careful that we're not tolerating all things. You see what I'm saying? Because either extreme is dangerous. What's the balance, Pastor Marco? The balance is speaking the truth in love. That's the balance. The balance, the tension to be held is speaking the truth in love. And so Jesus says, listen, he tells the church, you tolerate that woman Jezebel. Oh, wait a second. Who's Jezebel? Well, scholars think that <laughs> her name probably wasn't Jezebel, actually. What Jesus is doing is he's sort of uh, naming her namesake from the Old Testament, okay? Now, who's Jezebel in the Old Testament? Let me describe her to you in case you might not know that, and that's okay. Jezebel was married to a man named Ahab. He may sound familiar. He may not. Ahab was considered to be the most wicked ruler in the history of Israel, okay? She was married to him. So Jezebel, what she did is she worshiped false idols, false gods like um, Baal or Baal, as my, my, my uh, Old Testament theology professor would say, Baal. I think it's more closer to the Hebrew. I don't know. I'll just say Baal for today. She worshiped Baal and Asherah, and she led her husband to do the very same thing, okay? She led her husband to do the very same thing. She is one who also plotted to kill the innocent man named Naboth because she wanted his vineyard. In 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 34, it is said of her that she is that cursed woman. Wow, yeah. Ladies, you do not want to be called that cursed woman, right? No, that's not good. No bueno, okay? No bueno, all right? She was a bad lady. And because of her wickedness, want to know how she dies? Anybody want to know how she dies? You might know already. Some of you might know. Here's how she dies. You guys ready for it? She's pushed out of a window. Probably not a first story window either, okay? She's pushed out of a window. If things don't get worse, they get worse. Then she's trampled on by horses, right? And then after that, she's eaten by dogs. What? Sheesh. Pushed out of a window, trampled by horses, and then eaten by dogs. God was like, you're going to get judgment. As one theologian says, she was a bad mamma jamma, right? 
So here's the thing. We're not sure um, what kind of influence we had or she had. We're not sure if she was like, you know, getting in front of everybody and saying, hey, I'm a prophet and you guys got to do this and you should do this. If she was like up front, you know what I mean? Or if she was like in the background, you know, saying little things that you say. Right? And she was causing division and gossip and then causing like a bunch of people to leave the church and go into sin. Because that takes place, by the way, too. So we're not sure if she was like, like formal influence, like up front or like behind the scenes causing a bunch of rifts and strife and chaos and gossip and sin and just destroying the church. Either way, she was a spiritual danger, just like her namesake in the Old Testament, okay? And Jesus, listen, doesn't want the church to tolerate her. He wants repentance. Now, apparently, in some way, we don't know because it's not, it's not written there. Apparently, in some way, he gave her time to repent, but she refused. She's like, I'm good. And so Jesus is like, well... There will be judgment, right? So how does this show up today in the church? The, the church. I'm not, I'm not talking about like outside in the world, because that's crazy. We already know that. I'm talking about in the church. Right? I, I want to talk to you today about three different ways that immorality shows up in the church as a result of our world, right? And as you hear some of these things, I want to just um, warn you, it is going to sting some of you. So I'm going to just say it up front. It's going to sting for some of you. Okay? And I know what some of you are thinking. Ah, now, here's the thing, Pastor Marco. If you didn't mention these things, like, it would be a much easier for you, and everybody would be happy, and we'd all be okay. And we could just be like, you know, hey, my life is good, and you'd be more popular. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're totally right. You're absolutely right. Everybody could be more comfortable. You wouldn't have to be uncomfortable. I wouldn't have to be uncomfortable. Those things are all true, right? That's true. However, the thing is, though, if I fail to point these things out, and we never talk about them in church, Here's what's happening. I'm robbing you of the blessing that is obedience to Christ. So here's the thing. There is a blessing, always a blessing of the backside, on the backside of obedience. And I wish more people would just experience it for themselves. Man, I wish some, I wish some believers would just experience it for themselves. Man. I wish they would just take God at his word and just say, you know what? I don't get it. I don't like it. I'm doing it his way anyways. Right? There's always a blessing on the backside of obedience, church, okay? And I want what's best for you, okay? I want you to walk in obedience to Christ and therefore what? Live a blessed life. That's why. Live a blessed life. And, and, and today, listen, I want to remind you that, um, that Jesus writes, that John writes these things these condemnations to the who? To the church, to believers, okay? So let me just say this. If you're here this morning and you're, you're, you're new, you're not sure where you're at in your faith, you don't even know if you believe some of this stuff, any of this stuff, 
Um, hey, thank you for being here. And we're so glad that you're here. We love you. God loves you. Um, I wanted to say to you, okay, if, if, you, if you're not really sure if you're like into this thing or not, um, your first priority is meeting Jesus. Okay, here's why. Here's why. Because when you meet Jesus, what he does is he transforms your heart, he changes your life, and he changes your desires. So you got to meet him first. Why? Because I don't want you to walk away thinking that you can behave your way into the kingdom of God. You can't. You can't. We don't obey God so that he'll accept us. Rather, we obey God because of his love for us at the cross in Jesus Christ. Right? So here's the thing. When we encounter the risen Savior in his love, everything changes. Everything changes. It does. It really does. Obedience, listen, is the fruit of our love for him. It's the fruit of our love for him. I love God so much, I want to obey him. I want to obey him. We're not trying to earn our way to heaven. That doesn't work that way, okay? What's happening is this, is that we recognize what Christ has won on the cross for us, and our response, listen, church, is obedience from the heart. It's obedience from the heart. It's not begrudging, obligatory adherence to a law. Does that make sense? We're like, oh, I guess I got to do it this way. Oh, I guess when God says this, I guess so. Oh, poor me, right? No, 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 no. We have obedience from the heart. That's what God desires, right? So if you're new with us and you're like, you wouldn't consider yourself a believer, that's okay. We love you. We're so glad that you're here, that you're here, that you're exploring possibly. But I want you to meet Jesus first, okay? I want you to meet him first. That is your priority. You have to meet him first, okay? All right. So in what ways does immorality show up in the church? At least three ways, not exhaustive, but just three ways the Holy Spirit told me I need to talk about, okay? Here we go. It's going to be a bit bumpy, but I love you. Number one, sexual promiscuity. In the church, I'm not talking about outside, remember that, in the church, in the church. You're calling yourself a Christian in the church, okay? One of the most popular dating apps, I think many of you already know this, and I use dating apps in like, you know, air quotes, I guess, is known as Tinder. And um, I use those air quotes because most of us know, well, I, I guess not most of us, young people know probably though. Young people, you know that this is not a dating app. It's a hookup app. And if you don't, if you're like, what's a hook, what's hookup, Pastor Mark? I don't know that. It's, it's, it's encountering someone for the mere reason of having sex with them. Okay? There you go. All right? It's a hookup app, all right? And what these types of apps, they have like millions of users, by the way. Okay? What these types of apps are doing is they're normalizing things like sexting, um, one-night stands, of course, demands for sex, and even, unfortunately, sexual assault. Many of these apps, because there's a lot of them, actually. Um, Tinder's not the only one. Many of these apps are far from dating apps, okay? Um, a more fair or fair description would be they are um, inappropriate and dangerous. So why is it that... that People, or young people, continue to use them. Why is that? 
And even believers who are trying to follow Jesus, they continue to, to use him. Well, I did a little research. One writer, her name um, is Nancy Jo Sales, and she's a writer for the news organization known as The Guardian. And she wrote this article about how these dating apps, so-called dating apps, are destroying people's lives. Fascinating. She said there are two primary reasons why people continue to use these dating apps. Number one is these apps make it easy to meet people, and they, they, they promise genuine love. So the app, these apps make it easy to, to meet people, right? Um, now, if you, I don't know if you knew this, but because of the rise of social media and technology, it is um, like, okay... Not, not all young people, but a lot of young people are losing their ability to have a conversation with someone face-to-face. Okay? I'm not saying all young people because I don't want them to stone me today, okay? But, but a lot of young people are, are, are losing their ability to, to, to have a real conversation with a real person, in, like in the flesh. You guys remember like the eighth grade dance? I don't know if anybody remember. You're just like awkward and you're, you're just like, it's just an awkward age, right? And you're like... Everybody's like, the boys are against one wall, the girls are against another wall, and your buddy's like, hey, dude, I think she's looking at you. You're like, what, what? And he's like, dude, just go and talk to her. You're like, I don't know what to say. And, right? and you're just like, just go, and your buddies push you over, and you're just like, hey. And she's like trying to talk to you, and you're like, what's your name? Uh, my name is Monkey. Marco, I mean, um, right? And like, you just make a fool of yourself. Right? But you talk to her. You talk to her, right? And, and you're, you're starting to learn. It's awkward. It's messy. You're fumbling over your words. But you talk to her. And you're learning, right? And, and, and a lot of young people, they just, that, that's not happening anymore. Okay? So it, for them, they're having all the conversation through this. Right? And then they meet for the first time to have sex. Number two reason people use this. The app feels like a slot machine at the casino. So it's addictive. Swipe right, okay? It promises lasting connection, but there's no data to support this, by the way. Check this out. In fact, the the article says, outside sources suggest that most people on the dating apps are not finding lasting relationships or marriage through these platforms. Most, they're, not, they're, not, they're not. That's what they promise, though, okay? If you find yourself living a life of, of uh, promiscuity, listen, I'm not going to condemn you, but I do want to say this. I want to I tell you today, it will never lead to fulfillment, okay? It will never, if you're a Christian here, you, 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 you're calling yourself a Christian. It's not going to lead to anything fulfilling for you, okay? Um, here's what it will lead to, though, every single time. It's going to lead to regret. It's going to lead to shame, it's going to lead to loneliness, and it's going to lead to devastation. It's going to ruin your life, okay? Here's what you really want, and this is what we all want. What we all really long for is to be deeply loved and to be deeply known. Everyone wants that, whether you're 18 years old, 25 years old, 49 years old, or 89 years old. You want to be deeply loved and deeply known, okay? Now, here's the thing about that, though. The only source where that type of love truly exists is in the love of God, okay? It's in the love of God where you're truly known and truly 
love. Now, the second source for that, though it is imperfect, is a covenant relationship known as marriage between a male and a female, right? There is, that is imperfect, granted, of course. However, that is where sex is supposed to remain, of course. We know this if we study scripture, okay? And so I want to remind you today, listen, sexual promiscuity always leaves you empty, more lonely, hurt, I mean, just devastated, okay? You won't find life there. Turn to God. Turn to God. The second place that immorality shows up in the local church, and this one's going to sting, watch out, is cohabitation. What does that mean, Marco? Living together before marriage. A new study published in the Journal of Marriage and Family finds that those who live together prior to marriage are more likely, not less likely, more likely to struggle in marriage. This is like, the research is just conclusive, by the way, on this. Another article from the Institute of Family Studies reports that there remains an increased risk for divorce for those living together prior to marriage. You're like, well, why? Well, what do you mean? Why is that? Well, um, Sean McDowell from Biola University, um, Christian philosopher, uh, theologian, says this. He says that living together and the sexual activity that normally um, accompanies living together makes makes it very, very difficult. It makes it harder for spouses to objectively evaluate the relationship. Because there's sex involved, or there's something kind of like sex involved. Maybe it's just you're laying together. Well, that's, when you lay together, I mean, can I, I hope I can say this, but when you lay together with, like, the opposite sex and you're attracted to them, I mean, that's, you feel something. Let me just say that. I'll just say that. You feel something, right? It's like, what you doing? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't Okay. I mean, come, am, I, am I being real or not? Right? Okay, so that thing, that, that thing, all right, that, that, that um, it's a chemical reaction that goes off in the male body and the female's body. Listen, it makes it, here's, let me bring it to reality. It makes it that much more difficult, listen, to get out of a bad relationship. Because of oxyto- oxytocin, or no, is it, is it oxytocin? Yeah, it's a chemical reaction. You're just like, Right, you're like getting the little jingly jinglies, right? And so, <laughs> and so you're just like, do I do I want to be with him? Do I not want to be with? Him? Uh, I can't think straight. Oh, I wonder why. I wonder why you're so hot. It's so difficult for you to make this decision. I wonder why, right? And scientifically, that's the reason why. Now, let me just say one more thing too. On that same note. When you live together, what happens is the longer that you're together, because a lot of couples will tell me, we're getting married, Pastor. Okay, wow. Well, great win. Okay? And so here's what happens the longer that you live together. I love you. I love you. I love all you guys. But listen, you got to listen. I'm getting real right now. Your lives become more entangled. Right? And so you see what I'm saying? I'm giving you the visual. I know I look silly, but... And so then, then by the time you know it, well, we bought a boat together. You bought a boat, really? You bought a boat. Okay, well, that's awesome. Right? Yes, he signed on the lease with you. Wow, that's fantastic. Okay. So then when, it, when that happens, you're like, I guess we're just going to stay together. I, 
You want to, what do you want to do? I guess, I don't, I don't, yeah, I, love, I don't know if I love you. I don't know if I love you either, but it's easy, I guess. All right, see ya. And you stay living together. Does that make sense? Right? That's just real, that's real life. Real life. When in reality, like, you might not even be that compatible. And so it's like, why would you want to put yourself in that position, right? And so listen, Christians, a lot of, I mean, I, I'm talking about Christians today would say, that's old-fashioned, Pastor Marco. That is just, I don't, I don't think, okay, you can say what you want. Let me take you to, to Genesis. Put that verse up. Genesis 2, 24. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and he's united to his wife and they become one flesh. Leave that up there for a, mem- for a moment. Let me teach you some theology real quick. Okay, look at my hands. Right here is the Old Testament. It's Genesis. Right here is Revelation. Everything between this is an ark, okay? Hang with me, church. And between that is what we call the meta narrative of Scripture. Can you say meta narrative? Meta narrative. Okay, what meta narrative simply means is the story of Scripture. So I don't want you to think of it as 66 books, think of it as one story. So in the story of God, in the story of Scripture, listen, at the very beginning, right, in Genesis chapter 2, there is a pattern established for men and women. In Genesis 3, which comes right after that, sin enters into that equation. But everything before Genesis 3, this is how theologians work, by the way, everything before Genesis 3 is how God intended it to be. Okay, so there's a pattern here. What's the pattern? I want you to notice what uh, the, the writer doesn't say. The writer doesn't say, for this reason, a man stays in his mom's basement and plays Halo all day long, right? <laughs> what does it say? It says, for this reason, this is why, man leaves, they leaves the house, leaves his father and mother, and then goes, signs a lease with his girlfriend. <clears throat> Wrong answer again right, is united to his wife. Marriage, they get married, okay? They get married. It's old school, but it's still in existence, okay? They get married, and then what happens? They become one flesh. What does that mean? They do the tango, okay? They have sex, right? And that is the pattern that God had established, leaving the household, marriage, sex. That is the pattern established before sin entered into the world. Now, you may think, well, I don't know if I really buy that. Okay, that's fine. I'll give you one more text quickly to think about. It's John chapter 4. We're not going to go there. But in John chapter 4, Jesus encounters the, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. What does he say? He says, listen, you have lied to me. You, you, you don't have one husband. You've had five husbands. And then he says, this is the one that you're living with is not your husband. Did you see that? The one you're living with is not your husband. Jesus doesn't condone or approve her sin. He, he calls it out, actually. He corrects her. Now, he loves her, 100%. He loves her, 100%, okay? But then he points her in the right direction. He said, hey, listen, your relationships, you've been with a lot of men, a lot of dudes. The one you're with right now, you're shacking up with him, he ain't your husband either, honey. Let me tell you, I'm the Messiah, and you need to find the true living water. This is the reason why your relationships are all jacked up. That's just modern-day vernacular, right? Okay, because you need to know the love of God. If you're here and you're like, I want to be, I want to, I want to, I want to get married. I want to find a, a girl. I want to find a guy, right? Listen, don't settle for God's, like, don't, don't settle for the world's least, right? Settle, right? Uh, instead, anticipate God's best, right? Expect God's best, right? <laughs> Loneliness will cause you to do a lot of things that you shouldn't do, okay? I'm just lonely. I just want somebody, I understand. I get that. 
I get that, okay? It's not good for a man to be alone. That's what God said. I understand that. Okay, but don't settle for just a swipe right. Don't settle for this is easy for now. Don't settle is, well, he pays Hulu and I pay the water bill. <laughs> Come on, someone. I'm getting real today. Come on. <laughs> that was good. Thank you, Holy Spirit. If you're watching online, you need to be here because this is great. Okay, so some people will still argue against it, and that's fine. So let me just give you three quick things here why I think it's, it's not good, okay? Some, say, some will say, well, it's still not sin, Mark. Well, it's not sin. Okay, well, okay, wow. Number one, here's, it's an appearance of evil, and the Scripture says that we should avoid all appearances of evil. Number two, it tarnishes your witness for Jesus Christ, okay? You want to be a witness, it tarnishes that witness. Number three, listen, it places a stumbling block before others who are trying to remain pure. Do you really want to do all those things? Is that really what you want to put yourself into, okay? The world says this. The world says, try it before you buy it. Jesus says, love is a commitment in a covenant, okay? The third way that immorality shows up in life is through pornography, pornography, um, there's a myth out there that goes like this. The thinking goes like this. Um, pornography is just innocent. It's just two consenting adults doing whatever they want to do with their bodies. And that's far from the truth, okay? That is far from the truth, okay? Pornography is deeply involved in the exploitation of women and children, and it is incredibly, incredibly devastating to those who consume it. There are a lot of reasons why, and I'm not going to go through those reasons today, but you can do the research. You have Google, okay? It's, it's bad. It's bad for your relationships. It's bad for your marriage. It will destroy families, okay? There are numerous reasons why you shouldn't indulge in pornography, okay? But one of the most important reasons is that it puts your soul in danger of hell, okay? Pornography is a sin. Uh, I'll say it like this. Pornography is a sin that will destroy your relationship today and send you to hell tomorrow. Here's the good news, though. It is a sin that can be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Right? If you're there today, get some help. But repent and commit to purity. Turn away, right? Repent and commit to purity. I want to remind you that Paul says that in Christ... You are a new creation, right? You are a new creation. The old has passed. The new has come, okay? So here's what I want you to do. Begin to live out your new identity in Jesus Christ. And in Jesus, you can find healing, wholeness, right? Forgiveness. Now, again, these are not exhaustive, but there are three prevalent ways. As, as, as your pastor, these, these are the ways that I see um, sexual immorality right inside the church, getting all cozy and comfy in the church. And so I thought I'd need to warn the church about this, okay? It's not exhaustive, but these are the three ways I see. If you find yourself in one of these situations as a follower of Jesus, um, the answer is repentance. Okay, that's the answer. It's turning away. It's action, right? It's not just being sorry. Um, do you want to live under the blessings of God? If so, listen, turn away from these immoral lifestyles. Turn away from these immoral lifestyles. So what is the reward that Jesus promises? Let's get to that really quick. Verse 26, 
To the one who is victorious and does, and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. I love this because Jesus says, listen, there is an immediate blessing right now in this life for obedience to Christ, right? But there's also an eternal blessing that awaits us. That's good news, right? There's an eternal blessing that awaits us because of our obedience to Jesus Christ. It's amazing. Now, we're going to wrap up in just a few more minutes here. I'm not quite done. Here's what I want you to see today, though. I want you to see today this. The world, the answer for the world is tolerance. The answer for the kingdom of God is repentance. It's very two different kingdoms, right? Repentance is, it sounds like this. Here's what repentance sounds like. I'm wrong, and I need to change. I'm wrong. I need to change. Here's what tolerance sounds like. I'm not wrong. I don't need to change. I'm not wrong. I don't need to change. Do you see the difference there, church? There's like a, a, a drastic difference. I want to remind you that God loves us. He loves you so much that he uh, this is good news. He loves you so much that he'll meet you right here in the middle of your mess. Isn't that good news? That you don't even have to clean yourself up. God, God's love is so beautiful, powerful, amazing, extravagant, that he will meet you in the middle of your mess, the sludge and the muck and the mire, right? Um, he'll meet you right there. But can I also say this, that God's love is so good that he doesn't want to leave you where you're at. Come on, someone, right? God's love is so good. He doesn't want to leave you where you're at. He doesn't want you to remain in your sin. He makes you new. And then what does he do? Well, it's the continuing work of becoming holy through sanctification. We become more like Jesus. That's what happens when we begin, we, we surrender our lives to Jesus. Unfortunately, though, a lot of people, including a lot of Christians, unfortunately, this is sad. Really sad. A lot of Christians will say, well, if God, God is love, right? So if God is love, then that means God is tolerant. If God is tolerant, that means God uh, doesn't judge. And therefore, if you love God, that means you don't judge. A lot of Christians, like, believe that today. The Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 5.12, you can read it yourself. 1 Corinthians 5.12, the Apostle Paul says, what business do I have judging outsiders? But it is the church's responsibility to judge those inside. I'm not saying be evil and be wicked and be like, you know, condemning people. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you can't rip one or two verses out of context and create your own theology. Well, doesn't the Bible say God is love? It does. Doesn't the Bible say, don't, you don't judge? It does, but you've ripped those verses out of context. You don't quite know what they mean, okay? The idea is this. God doesn't do that, right? God doesn't tolerate all beliefs and behaviors. Just read Scripture, okay? Should the church just tolerate all beliefs and behaviors? What do you think? The answer is no. The answer is no. Why not? Precisely what we've talked about before, because God is love. 
And you know what love seeks after? Love seeks after the best for people. Right? Love seeks after the best for people. Can I just tell you, church, love is such a greater, it's so much greater uh, than tolerance. Love is so much greater. It's, it's so much better than tolerance. Love is so much higher on the, the, the ethical standard uh, than tolerance, right? Love is so much better than tolerance. God doesn't just tolerate us. God loves us. Right? And therefore, God wants us free. Free from the bondage of sin. Free from the things that cause death. Free from the things that he knows are going to destroy our lives. That's how much God loves you. That's how much he loves you. Come on, church. That's good news. That's good news today. God loves you so much. He doesn't want to leave you where you're at. He says, I want you to be blessed. I want you to live a life with favor and honor and blessing from above. I want your friends to say, oh my gosh, how is it that you're so happy? Your marriage seems to be good. You have stuff. There's money in the bank. You, your kids are somewhat controlled, somewhat, right? Listen, <laughs> how is it? Jesus, that's why. Jesus, right? Jesus. Come on, let me say this. Let me say it like this. Love changes a person in a way that tolerance cannot. Right? Love changes a person in a way that tolerance cannot. Let me say this. A loving father always exercises his loving authority to seek the best for his child. A loving father always exercises his loving authority to seek the best for his child. Fathers, let me talk to you fathers for a minute. If you're in here, look at me. Fathers, look at me. Listen, how many of you would let your little child run out into the middle of a busy street just because you love him? Oh, hey, buddy. Hey, have fun out there. Watch out for that semi. I hope you're happy, though. Just be happy. I want you to be happy. That's all I want for you. No, you wouldn't do that. That's craziness. What would you do? You'd run out there and you'd scoop them up with a buddy. No, 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 no. You can't play out here. It's dangerous, buddy. There's cars going by. You might get killed. No, no, no. no. But, but come, back to, come back to the front yard where mommy and daddy can see you. You got to play up here. You'd never let them do that. Because if you did, that would be what? Unloving. Unloving. People would say, that's a terrible father. Oh, my goodness, Right? And I want to just say, aren't you glad that God doesn't just tolerate you? God loves us enough, listen, to show us what's best. His love redeems. His love sets free. His love changes. His love transforms us. His love causes our lives to look more like his son, Jesus Christ. His love causes us to walk in a new identity and to be the people who we were meant to be. That is the power of God's love. And this morning, listen, I want to pray with some of you. I want you to pray with some of our prayer team. Because listen, here's, here's, what, I, here's, here's what I see. Some of you are going to change. I just feel it. Some of you are going to change. Some of you, for this, this is it right here. It's going to happen. This is the day. Things are going to change right here. It's going to happen. I just feel it. I feel it. Spirit of God, right? And, and I want to pray for you for the courage to change. I'm not going to pray for you to have a thousand more excuses. I'm not going to pray for you to tell me why it's so inconvenient to do this or do that, okay? What you need is the prayer to change, the prayer to walk away, what? By the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power 
of the Holy Spirit. And I know maybe for some of you in here, that might require a little more counseling. That might require just a bit more because maybe your life is entangled with someone else and you're like, I have no idea where to start. And that could be the case. For so long, you've just sort of allowed this to happen because, well, what else am I going to do? So I want to pray with you. Change begins today. God doesn't just tolerate you. He loves you. He loves you so much. And today, listen, if you don't know Jesus Christ, I want you to know him. I want you to meet him. Okay? He stood in your place. He went to the cross so that you wouldn't have to be there, church. He took the sin upon himself, the sins of the world. He bled. He died for you and I because he loved us that much. He took the punishment and the wrath of God this, uh, upon himself so that we wouldn't have to receive that. Now, three days later, though, he didn't stay in the grave. He rose from the grave. He's alive, actually, today. He's alive right now. He sits at the right hand of the Father, and one day, it's promised in Scripture, one day Jesus is going to come back to the earth. And what does he want? He wants a spotless bride. A spotless bride. We're his bride. We're his bride. Jesus doesn't want us tarnished with all the sin of the world. Jesus wants a spotless bride. He wants a bride purified, a bride ready to receive him. So I want to pray for you today. Our prayer team will come up in just a few more moments. But let me pray first. God, we love you. Thank you so much for this message. And I know this is a hard message. I know that this steps on some toes today. I know that this makes me a little bit more unpopular than last week, and I get that, God. Um, so bring it. And so, Lord, uh, thank you, though, that your truth always uh, reveals and it always has the intention of setting us free. It's always, God, the motives are always pure. They're wonderful. They're beautiful. Thank you, God, that you don't show us stuff to, to hit us with a giant hammer. Man, I'm so grateful for that, God. Even when we've sinned, we've fallen short, God. Uh, Lord, I re remind these people that you have not come to hammer them, Lord, with a giant sledgehammer. You've come to give them new life, though. You've come to forgive their sins. You've come uh, to reveal your son, Jesus Christ, who gave himself the sins of the world. God, thank you that there is redemption, there is re renewal, there's healing, God, and there's transformation that comes in your son, Jesus Christ. And God, if there's someone in here today who needs to repent, I pray that today is the day for them. No longer will they stay comfortable in their sin. No longer will they just think it's convenient. No longer will they say, you know what, that's what all of my friends are doing, or that's what my buddies at work do. No longer will they do that. They will say, no, no, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want to be different. I want to be uh, the light of Christ in this world. I want to receive God, the blessings that you've promised on the backside of obedience, God. I want that. Lord, I pray today, Lord, give people courage and boldness to say enough is enough. I don't care how convenient. I don't care how unpopular. I don't care what it makes me look like. I'm, I'm going to repent. I'm going to change. I'm going to move out. I'm going to do whatever it takes, God, to honor you because I love you so much because you've already proven your love to me at the cross of Calvary. Jesus, would you do that by your Holy Spirit today? Bless your people today as they go forth from this place, as they live obedient lives to you, God. Give them the courage, Lord. Give them the boldness, God. Lord, be with them. Your grace is sufficient, God. Your grace is sufficient. Lord, we thank you so much today 
for the work of the Holy Spirit in Radiant Church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All God's people said amen. Let's clap our hands for him this morning.